There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Hi, this is Newt. Due to the virus, I'm recording from home. So you may notice a difference in audio quality. On this episode of Newt's World, my guest today represents California's 22nd Congressional District. During his childhood, he worked on a farm that his family has operated in Tulare County, California, for three generations. He raised cattle as a teenager, used his savings to begin a harvesting business, and then bought his own farmland with his brother. After getting an education, his experience in agriculture led to an appointment by President George W. Bush to serve as California's state director for the United States Department of Agriculture's Rural Development Section. He left that position to run for Congress. He has been an amazing leader and has had enormous courage. He's the author of the book, Restoring the Republic, which was published in September 2010. And since then, he has been right in the heart of the fight, both about the way in which Adam Schiff and the Democrats have really, truly ruined the intelligence process in the Congress, and also in dealing directly with the big tech firm. I'm very pleased to welcome my guest, Congressman Devin Nunes. Dude, it's great to be with you. Thanks for having me. And I listen to your podcast, so this is great. (laughs) Why don't we start just for a minute or two, because your background is really very cool and typical of what a wonderfully complex country you are. So if you don't mind, take a couple of minutes and tell us about growing up on a farm, the values that you learned from that, and what it was like to be the son of Portuguese immigrants. 
Well, Newt, you'll probably appreciate this. At the Republican Club throughout my career, it's always funny because you'll be down there and maybe there'll be guests from around the country and I'll be with some of my Republican colleagues and they'll introduce me. And now this is long before I was actually on television every day, thanks to the Democrats and all of their scams in recent years. So I'm talking to you back before all of this. And people would see me there and they think, oh, my God, what's a Democrat doing in the Republican club? Because most Americans don't know that there are still some Republican conservative pockets left in California. You know, you've been out there before. California's San Joaquin Valley. I'm in the central southern part of that valley. and We call it the breadbasket of the solar system. We grow over 300 different crops. And I live about a mile away from where I grew up. My grandmother, who just turned 101 years old. She just had her birthday, and I live about a mile from her, and got my wife and three daughters, and they all live in California and go to school there. And I always like to say that, you know, I've been on the front lines of this fight against these radical socialists that really started in San Francisco in the 1960s. You'd remember a name, the Burton Brothers, who really led the transformation from California going from the state of Ronald Reagan to essentially the headquarters of the progressive left. And we've been the guinea pigs for a lot of these radical ideas in my district in the San Joaquin Valley because they started with the hard, hard radical environmental extremism. And we were the place where they brought the initial lawsuits. Uh, You've probably heard about this, but the different species that they used, they went into courts and essentially used it as a wedge to cut off our water supply. And that's what drove me into politics. I grew up, as you said, farming, and I wanted to do that. I actually thought that, you know, maybe I'd be involved on some policy issues, maybe the Farm Bureau, something like that. But as I started my own farm when I was 19 years old, and I said, wow, if this continues, you know, we're not going to have any water. And then I realized just that's when I got into politics because I realized that, hey, this is not a sustainable lifestyle for me or my family. And in fact, it's been very difficult. We've seen a lot of people that have had to leave the state. We've had a lot of agricultural land, the most productive land in the world, that's sitting idle today. And it's really sad to see that happen because this is, you see on one side of the road, you see beautiful green lush fields. And on the other side, it's just tumbleweeds and dry. So that's what got me into politics and how I eventually met you and others and ran for Congress. Really appreciate your help over the years. You know, with all the damage done to your valley and into the agriculture in general in California, how much has that contributed to the recall petition that we are reading so much about in terms of recalling Governor Newsom? Well, what's interesting is is that Donald Trump actually received more Republican votes in California than any other state. Now, of course, there's more people in California, so that makes sense. But there are still a lot of conservative Republicans. And if you are in California or left there, you know why you're a Republican. Because it's not popular. It's tough to register Republican because you get attacked by all of these. uh, Everybody looks at you funny if you associate yourself as a Republican or conservative. Because, of course, we've got San Francisco extremists. We've got Hollywood. We have Silicon Valley now that's went hardcore extreme left. So Republicans are watching family and friends and neighbors leave the state, so much so that we have a U-Haul shortage right now because so many people are leaving. Because of the way that Newsom's handled the coronavirus, the hypocrisy, 
of having fancy dinners where he's not wearing a mask while all these businesses are going broke. And then you take on top of that Nancy Pelosi getting her hair done. You know, the conservatives that are out there, Republicans that are out there, six million of us, we're there. We're trying to defend the state. We're trying to bring the state back. And I believe this recall is going to qualify. And then the big switch that we're waiting for is will a prominent Democrat run? So the way the process is going to work, if they get enough signatures, which I think they will, then essentially we'll go to the ballot box and we'll have two votes. One will be, do you want to recall Newsom, yes or no? If it's yes and it passes, then on that same ballot, there'll be a list of candidates who will run. Now, there's several Republicans that are running now. Hopefully, we'll be able to coalesce around one candidate. But the tipping point is going to be, will the Democrats take a chance and not run a candidate, which would be very dangerous for them because if Newsom's recalled, then it'll only be Republicans on the ballot. So we're looking, will there be a prominent Democrat who will get on the ballot during this recall? It's going to be fascinating to watch, but that will be the tipping point. Yeah, I noticed there's at least one Silicon Valley billionaire who's come out in favor of the recall and said he would run as a Democrat. So things are coalescing towards change. Now, is Newsom blocked from running on the second ballot there? That is correct. Yep. He either stays or goes. It's a pretty simple vote. Yeah, that's amazing. Now, to jump all the way across the country for a second, before we get to talking about censorship and big tech, you've also been through an amazing week, and in particular focused on the Democrats' desire to make Congresswoman Green radioactive and then use her to brand the whole Republican Party. What's your take on that? I've been a little surprised that they are willing to set the precedent that the majority can take somebody off of a committee. My view is if they do that, that when you guys get the majority, which you will in 2023, you ought to require every single Democrat to come through the Republican steering committee. We're watching the collapse of one of the oldest institutions, which is the United States Congress. As you're well aware, all 435 of us run. We're responsible to our constituents. And then committee assignments are essentially given to both the Republican Party and the Democratic Party, and the Republican Party decides what committees members will sit on. And so this is a really unprecedented steps. And, you know, I, having been through this the last four years and watching the swarm of the legacy media, some people call it the mainstream media, but we're approaching 95% of the media content that's being developed is being developed by hard left wingers. And to see all the cameramen and the reporters staking outside of Miss Green's office is just totally, totally inappropriate, especially for something that she actually just liked and posted. Okay, and that when I say like, I mean where you hit the button, you know, just to share it. That's what she did. And she since disavowed that. And I mean, my gosh, I mean, can you imagine? We've got members of Congress on the Democratic side who have put out crazy, crazy stuff on social media. So this is all stuff that dated back to 2018. She disavowed it. It makes no sense, and I actually feel really bad for it. And you know how it is coming in as a freshman. People make mistakes. They stumble. But I think they're just targeting her, and she won't be the first one. And so, you know, what I've said, all members have a right to their own opinions, and they're ultimately responsible to their constituency. And that's where things should be decided, at the ballot box for the people of our districts. You know, I think the idea that 
the Republican Party could certainly take steps. You could even have a motion to censure in the House as a whole, and that would be authentic. But the idea either that they would try to expel her, which is, you know, something which we've used very rarely. The only two people who've been expelled since the Civil War, both have been convicted of corruption on a pretty grand scale. And the danger there of saying to a district that the politicians in Washington will decide who gets to recognize you. I'm doing a podcast next week on John Wilkes, who's the Englishman who in the 1760s and 1770s got expelled three times and kept getting reelected by his constituency. And is really the guy who changed the system by insisting that it's actually the voters back home who pick you, not the politicians in London or the politicians in Washington. But the other thing that surprised me, the ruthlessness of them doing this reminded me, one of the things that led to my rise and ultimately to becoming Speaker was that Speaker Jim Wright broke the House rules on two or three different occasions in a way that said to the Republicans, you know, you have no standing here. This is about raw power. And he actually helped people like me because I'd been dealing with a number of, you know, calm, moderate establishment Republicans who kept saying, oh, it can't really be that bad. And there were two occasions, one when they stole a seat in Indiana in 1985, and another when they created two legislative days in one day to drive something through purely as an act of power. Those two things led an amazing number of traditional, calm, establishment kind of guys to come over to me and say, you're right, we have no choice. If we don't defend ourselves and defeat them, we're in trouble. And I think Pelosi is setting up the same dynamic here. And I actually think that she is behaving as crazy as she is because she's terrified. I mean, she knows yeah. that when Claudia Tenney's finally sworn in, you guys are within five votes of a majority. Now, in 1994, we picked up 54 seats after Clinton won the presidency. In 2010, as you know, we picked up 63 seats after Obama won the presidency. So the odds on our picking up a minimum of five seats are just astronomical. And I think Pelosi gets up every morning realizing that her career is going to end, losing the speakership for the second time, and that there's nothing she can do about it. My personal guess is that's why she's so vicious, says such nasty things about Kevin and about other people. And I don't know, you interact with her much more than I do right now. It's almost like they're deranged. Yeah, well, I think that's a good term for it. And what you experienced in the 80s, Newt, looks like child's play to what they're doing now. They're marking up bills with committees never even meeting. This budget uh, resolution, you know, $2 trillion, after we just passed a trillion-dollar bill, you know, just a month ago, is just outrageous. And then, of course, you know, kicking members off of committees. We're at an unprecedented level. But none of this surprises me growing up in California because we saw once you took a little step, then it was another step, and we had people that would want to appease the radical left, and going back to this water issue. When people come and say, hey, we'd like to have cleaner water, and we'd like to have maybe some more fish hatcheries, it sounds very reasonable. And at first, people in agriculture are like, hey, we're all for that too. We want a cleaner water supply. We want to have more fish. I mean, that's, farmers are environmentalists. You have to have a good, clean environment in order to grow plants and raise animals for food production. And so, Watching how it went from that to where then it just became a pure grab of power.
power, it became that Republicans and conservatives, people in agriculture, the radical green movement, we're going to cut your water off. I mean, that's where it really came to. And now they pretend and they put out a facade. You want to talk about a fake narrative that, oh, they're just trying to protect these little fish while all these mean, greedy corporate polluters are destroying the environment. That's the narrative that was created. So I watched that. I watched crops dry up. I mean, when I go back to how I got involved in politics as a teenager, you know, I'm out there sweating in the 102 degree temperature in the middle of summer and you're watching plants die, it changes you. It changes your whole soul when you watch that because you see your blood, sweat, and tears as you plant something, it begins to grow. And unlike the rest of the country, we use irrigation. The best irrigation system ever built on the planet is in the San Joaquin Valley of California. And so coming full circle, once you see that, you know it, you understand it. And then, of course, you know, four years ago, when they went after me for being a secret Russian agent, there's nothing these people won't do. And what's happened in California, it's transformed from where you had individuals in the Democratic Party who had their own persona. They ran as one in their own, right? You know, take a Willie Brown, you know, somebody like that that you would remember. And it's turned into a Politburo system. And I'm not even making fun. It's not a joke. They really have a Politburo system. It's part of the reason why you have a bunch of apparatchiks out there. Newsom's never done a damn thing in his life. He's horrible. The Democrats themselves don't even like them. You have the same thing with Kamala Harris, who was essentially out of nowhere became the district attorney in San Francisco, out of nowhere became the attorney general of California. And essentially, she was just plopped up and never had to campaign for any of those When I say campaign, a real campaign where you're out there, it's a tough race where you have to fight Democrat on Democrat. She never had that even to get through a primary. And then, of course, what happened when she made the big stage? She was handpicked by Obama and Obama's team. A lot of people don't realize this. That's who they got behind before Biden. I think she raised somewhere in excess of $100 million. They blew through all of that money and knew before the first primary happened, that she had to drop out of the race because she was going to get less than 1%. So that's what happened. And then ultimately, what happens? They resurrect Biden. They handpick her. They put her in. And I'll make even one other comment. I think what you're kind of seeing now with both Newsom and Cuomo, all of a sudden, the mainstream media, they're now reporting on the recall. They're now reporting on Cuomo's problems with the nursing homes. This is not happening in a vacuum. What they're doing is they want to make sure that there's a clear pathway for Kamala Harris to be the next president for whenever Biden goes, either within this four years, but probably for sure in four years, that she's going to be the nominee. So the easiest thing you do, you have to eliminate your opposition. And that's how their system works in California. And they've now brought that to Washington, D.C. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now.
Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God. We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. It is frightening to look at the degree to which California has become a machine state and that whether you're Democrat or Republican, you really have no ability to take on the machine. That's why I think this recall is so fascinating. You're right, and I agree with you. They're now moving nationally. Frankly, I think the most disturbing thing they've done is this announcement that they're now going to review everybody in the American military for political correctness. This is a big step towards the communist model where we will presently have you know, a KGB officer in every battalion so that they can ensure political correctness by the military. It's a little hard for me to believe that the new Secretary of Defense is this crazy. But apparently, having served with Obama and Biden, he drank the Kool-Aid. And I mean, they're defaming, just as Biden did with the FBI, where he said the majority of them are good people, implying, of course, that there are a substantial number of FBI agents who aren't good people. They're defaming people who go out and risk their lives to defend this country and suggesting that they now have to look over one shoulder at the political correct person behind them while looking over the other shoulder at the enemy. The funniest thing about what Biden said about the FBI is the only FBI agents that he could be referring to, the ones that are no good, are the ones that the establishment is protecting. And those are the ones that were essentially contractors for the Democratic Party who concocted the whole Russia hoax. You know, and those people, to this day, only one of them's been prosecuted, got a slap on the wrist, one of the dirty FBI lawyers, but all the other dirty cops, that, you know, those could be the only ones that Biden is referring to because there's no evidence that there's any, at the district level of the FBI for the field offices, there's no evidence that there are any issues there at all. And then when you see two of our FBI agents get gunned down, it's a dangerous business. The chilling effect that this is going to have on the military, you talk about this new thing about racism, what it's going to do is it's going to persuade people that may be thinking about going to the military. They're not going to go in the military. I mean, these 17-year-olds, you know, 18-year-olds that are looking at it and saying, oh, it's all, they're all racist and all this. It's just a bunch of nonsense, and you're exactly right. 
They're trying to change the military. This is all part of what they're doing. They corrupted the Department of Justice. They corrupted the upper echelons of the FBI. They're corrupting the U.S. military. And look, and this is our challenge. It kind of goes back to the 6 million Californians that are Republican and voting conservative. We know what's going on. We laugh at the 95% of the content. We know whatever they're talking about, we know it's either a lie or they're actually describing themselves and essentially accusing you of what they're doing. And so we're left here now in Congress with Pelosi, who's grasping onto power, doing everything she can because she's got a bunch of revolutionaries below her. And what we haven't talked about yet, Duke, they're also bringing this crazy domestic terrorism concept into Congress. So the House Intelligence Committee, which you're very familiar with, we're responsible for all of these agencies for foreign activity, foreign activity. Well, now you have the Democrats are saying, no, 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 House Intelligence Committee, our threat now is domestic terrorists. And what they mean by domestic terrorists are any of the 75 million people who voted for Republicans in the last election. And they're trying to paint us, and the media is happily going along with it, by, you know, like what we just discussed, going back to whatever somebody liked or posted, wasn't even their own words, and they're using that as a paintbrush to try to paint the American people with. Let me ask you, along that line, while they focus on, you know, QAnon or whatever, You've served on the Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence, and you've been right in the middle of the secret briefings, and et cetera. What are the threats to American survival that keep you up at night? There's really the two things you kind of watch closely. Number one, radical Islam's not gone, so that continues to be a challenge because you never know. They're always plotting and planning and scheming. Those are the types of events that, as we found out on 9-11, can kill thousands of people. But we've also had numerous smaller events where, you know, across the globe, where you had nightclubs shot up, et cetera, et cetera, including here in the United States. And just to point out something, the irony also is we have zero evidence of any white, racist, QAnon attacks by military members on military members. But what we do have is we have radical Islamists who got into the military and did kill our military guys, just to take a short off-ramp there, Newt. But if you look at the big picture, China is the threat. And the connections that this Biden administration has to China have not been explored by the media. It's been covered up. The fact that you know Biden appears that he was on the take He's the big guy that's in the famous emails that were released before the election and covered up by the media and social media companies. And so here you have our largest threat. They're stealing our secrets, and they're very clever the way they do it. They're building lily pads, essentially stationary aircraft carriers across the globe so that they can spread out their military and control the choke points. And then secondly, they're going into countries and they're essentially giving them things. And as you know, the Chinese don't give anything for free. So when they're giving you free communications architecture, i.e. Huawei or ZTE, what they're really doing is they're setting up and ensuring that they can collect data, send that back to China and analyze it and essentially have global coverage to spy globally. And you're well aware of their ever-increasing military buildup. They're becoming a very, very dangerous country, and they're willing to flaunt it, and they don't hide it. 
And I guess that's the concern that I have is when you have Biden's kid, Biden himself, all sorts of people within the Biden administration who are chummy with the Chicoms at a time when all of us should be pushing the brakes and actually building on what President Trump did with China, which is to put them front and center and wean ourselves and our allies off of reliance on the Chinese economy. I was very struck. There's a new article written by Admiral Charles Richard, who's the head of the Strategic Command. He wrote this for the Naval Institute's monthly magazine proceedings. He said, there's a real possibility that a regional crisis with Russia or China could escalate quickly to a conflict involving nuclear weapons if they perceived a conventional loss would threaten the regime or state. And he then says, I think this is about as sobering as anything I've seen since the end of the Cold War with the Soviet Union. He says, consequently, the U.S. military must shift its principal assumption from nuclear employment is not possible to nuclear employment is a very real possibility and act to meet and deter that reality. Now, I'm old enough. I grew up in the 50s and 60s when we were first coming to grips with the nuclear war and why we wanted to make sure it didn't happen. And I think that if you look at the recent tension over Taiwan, you look at the aggressiveness of Xi Jinping, and you look at the passivity and the sort of out-to-lunch approach of the Biden administration, I really worry that we could have some collision followed by a mistake or two and suddenly find ourselves in the most horrifying possible circumstance. I mean, to what degree do you think that's real and to what degree do you think that's just hyped? Well, look, anything with these guys is possible. It's not just the nuclear threat. They're also building very sophisticated weapons that are non-nuclear that could quickly take out our aircraft carriers, for example. You've seen a lot of testimony in Congress over the last couple of years on the ability to send projectiles in. And I don't believe that what the Chinese are trying to do is do the takeover slowly, make people dependent on them, and then also build up the military capability so that if there was a mistake, they'd have the ability to quickly take out our entire Pacific fleet, which I'm assuming probably is what, I haven't read the, the, the article that you're talking about, but I'm familiar with the concept. And, you know, they want the United States out of Asia. I mean, it's clearly their goal. Now, the advantage we have is we do have countries that are well aware of this, and the, the, the tighter the grip has become, the more that the Japanese, South Koreans, even the Philippines now are all realizing that they're going to have to unite together. And that was part of what the Trump administration was trying to do. It's been a goal, actually, dating back to that, Newt, all through the 2000s. You know, we were trying to do as much as we could for all the other East Asian countries to do whatever business we could with them to wean ourselves off of China. Trump tried to speed that up. And now I think you're out to lunch. I comment is exactly right. It seems like they are out to lunch. And this is a crew that has gotten it wrong. What have they gotten right all through the Obama administration, from the Iran nuclear deal to you know all the comments they made about if Trump moves the embassy to Jerusalem, it's going to be World War III. You know, none of that comes to fruition because they're just wrong. They get things constantly wrong.
The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. You know, it tells you how many different things are going on. When we originally called you and said, could we get together, it was to talk about this whole issue of tech censorship, where you played such a leading role. But frankly, all these other things that have come up, we couldn't resist having a person of your talent and not asking about it. So I did recently, as you may know, talk with Amy Peikoff, the Parler's chief policy officer. She was on our January 24th podcast. Do you think Parler will actually get back online? Yeah, Parler, I believe, is going to get back online. And this is the biggest threat that we face in the United States of America today is political censorship. So what effectively happens when you have 95% of the content that's being created out there is left-wing, and they're fake narratives that get promoted. But then the challenge is, I call it the disinformation funnel. Everything gets put into the funnel. So you've got 95% left-wing content, 5% that's either real reporting to conservative reporting. That gets put into a funnel. The effect of that funnel, when it goes out on the other end to your phone or your iPad or your desktop, gets going through a few companies, Google, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, etc. When it gets out to the other side, 99.9% of the information that's flowing in front of the American is the content that the left wants you to see. For example, if you have an Apple iPhone, I make the joke, but you know, every five minutes when Biden was being sworn in, it's like a whole celebration. It's like you know, Biden stops and you know, takes a picture at the Jefferson Memorial. It flashes on your iPhone. So it's propaganda 24-7 being shoved right in front of your face 
So we talk about what's happening in California when you get one party control and you have, you know, just destruction of the individual. It starts at the school systems and then it gets thrown in front of your face. So the six million Republicans that we talked about that are out there are Republicans who we get it. Like we know that 99.9% of the stuff that's being shoved in our face, we're not going to believe it. The challenge is reaching a couple million other Californians who don't understand why there's hundreds of thousands of homeless people spread all throughout the state. You know, how there can be a million acres of farm ground that's being dried up. How can a governor go in and defy all of his own orders and get away with it? How can the Speaker of the House get away with it? These are all things that are happening that people don't understand why. And what I've tried to do is explain why. It's because of this disinformation funnel and filter that's essentially putting poison into the minds of the American people. So, as you are well aware, you cannot win the battle for ideas in in anything, in warfare, politics, if you have no way to communicate. So when I say this is the most important issue at the highest level, it really is. Because without a social media platform, we have no way to even get that 5% of what would be real news to any American individual, especially the people that we would need to reach. You've got 75 million Americans who get it, but in order for us to win elections, we're going to have to get millions of Americans to get the facts. And so, you know, I like our odds in 2022, but I do not like our odds if Parler doesn't get on board. And remember, Parler was up to 20 million users, Newt. So you had 20 million of 75 million, essentially almost all are Republicans, of 75 million people were on Parler. It was effectively our way to communicate, our ability to get information out, for me to take an article and post it to my followers. I can't do that anymore. I have no way to reach my constituents, and that's one of the reasons why I started my own podcast, because at least when I send that out, once people sign up for it, they get it, they can either watch it on Rumble or download it. That's why I did that, was just to try to get information, good interviews, things that I want my constituents and my supporters around the country to be able to hear, is just to get facts in front of them. What do you think is the long-range solution? Well, the key is going to be Parler has got to get back up and running. I really believe it's going to happen here this month. Now, the question is, will Apple put them back on the App Store? The other funny thing about this, Newt, you hear this a lot. You know, the worst way that you can get this, you know, disinformation and get people to not trust the government, they're exacerbating it because I don't post on Twitter, Facebook, hardly anything anymore. I don't trust them. I don't use Google. You know, so it's very hard for me to get information out. And basically, you have to listen to my podcast someplace where I do an interview. The people that aren't going to those places, where are they going now? You know, they're going to ghettos on the Internet somewhere. And it's very, very difficult. You know, I've had to go old school, Newt, to where I have to mark my favorites. So when I go on to the Internet so that I'm not going through Google or one of the search engines, I go directly to a website. That's all I can do. I'm just talking about for me to read news. So imagine where millions of Americans are. They're just out there surfing the web, and it's really difficult for them to find factual information. So as the first step, do you think that Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act of 1996 ought to be either revoked or dramatically amended? Yeah, I mean, policy-wise, that's going to have to happen. 
but we don't have the votes. So right now, we're really relying on getting the communication system up and going, i.e., Parlor, which it seems to me is, is about the only one that's going to be able to work because it was so big already. And then part of our party platform really has to change that if you're running as a Republican, as a conservative, you have to understand the threat of the greater Silicon Valley is, what I call tech yeah. oligarchs. These are part of the Democratic but Party. If we, but if Parlor gets up and running, say, 60 days from now, what's to keep them from taking it down again during the campaign next year? That is going to be the challenge. That is going to be the challenge. I've been trying to do what I can. I've been trying to get the courts involved in this. I'm a little shocked that Parler hasn't been more successful in court. Maybe they will be. I know there's some stuff, I think, on appeal, maybe some other lawsuits to be filed. I know other people have filed lawsuits. I've filed lawsuits. The judges could come in and fix a lot of this. They could come in and fix a lot of this if they wanted to. And really, we haven't talked about that these are also clearly monopolies. You know, I mean, that's the other problem here. And, you know, we had this problem over 100 years ago, and these companies are going to have to be broke up. Well, I think that's right. I think we're right back where we were with the railroads and Standard Oil and AT&T. I want to thank you because you're extraordinarily busy. You're doing so many different things for the country, and you're such an amazing leader. And I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with us, to lay all this out, and I hope we can stay in touch in the near future as these things all continue to evolve. Well, Newt, I want to obviously thank you. You've been a thought leader for us in the Republican Party and in Congress, and still to this day, we don't have anybody better than you to articulate how to solve problems. It's an honor for me to be on your podcast. Thank you to my guest, Congressman Devin Nunes. You can find links to articles and more information about the topics we discussed on our show page at newtsworld.com. Newtsworld is produced by Gingrich 360 and iHeartMedia. Our executive producer is Debbie Myers. Our producer is Garnsey Slump. And our researcher is Rachel Peterson. The artwork for the show was created by Steve Penman. Special thanks to the team at Gingrich 360. If you've been enjoying Newtsworld, I hope you'll go to Apple Podcasts and both rate us with five stars and give us a review so others can learn what it's all about. Right now, listeners of Newt's World can sign up for my three free weekly columns at Gingrich360.com slash newsletter. I'm Newt Gingrich. This is Newt's World. Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. 
So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Viking. Committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, cultural enrichment, and all-inclusive fares. Discover more at viking.com.